Hello and welcome to Meandering with Myrn, a potpourri of podcast by me, veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. Join me as I ponder any and all things animal and human, what we know and what we don't, where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. Do wild animals display social distancing and other self and group protective behaviors when contagious diseases occur? Or are they oblivious to what's happening to them and those belonging to the same species in their group? These seem like obvious questions to ask given the numbers of people who perceive social distancing as political and emotional concepts. Like most people, as soon as I start thinking about a particular topic about which I know little, information about that topic sometimes seems to magically appear. Often it's been there all along, but I didn't notice it because I wasn't thinking about it. Think of this as a variation on the emperor's new clothes. Whereas the little boy who hadn't been conditioned to think otherwise could shout, Hey, the emperor is stark raving naked. I'm more likely to think, Hey, didn't I read something about this subject a while back? When I thought about wild animals and social distancing, my brain burped up the memory of a journal article I'd read entitled Tracking Sickness Effects on Social Encounters via Continuous Proximity Sensing in Wild Vampire Bats. I'd saved the article because I found it interesting. But it wasn't because of any specific connection between people, animals, and some viruses. That such connections exist is a well-known fact that anyone who's had their animals vaccinated for rabies knows. This article captured my attention because bats, like members of other species, have evolved behaviors to protect themselves from contagious microorganisms. Otherwise, their ancient ancestors wouldn't have survived long enough to evolve into our current animal populations. I'm fascinated by the many similarities between these long-established animal survival behaviors and much more recently established human ones. Although such human practices appear in many ancient writings, later generations often take or are given credit for these. A good example of this is the relationship between cleanliness and health. Most of us have heard the saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. Sometimes it's attributed to John Wesley the minister who founded the Methodist Church in the 1700s. But references to the concept occur much earlier, no doubt because observant people noticed the connection between disease and filth. And no doubt amongst the very earliest humans were those who noticed similar connections occurring in the wild and domestic animal populations around them. Some people then adopted these animal practices themselves. 
A common observation was that wild animals of many species wouldn't eat and sleep in the same areas where they've urinated or defecated, unless something prevented them from doing this. But that most beneficial animal truth sometimes was ignored by uninformed or lazy folks who confined the animals they domesticated to small spaces that forced the animals to live in their own waste. Unfortunately, if enough people in a population do that long enough, pretty soon the ancient connection between those waste products and disease may be forgotten. Instead, this lack of basic cleanliness spawns becomes the accepted norm. Later, maybe hundreds or even thousands of years later, someone in the group may notice that captive animals living in regularly cleaned environments tended to be healthier than those living in filthy conditions. But regarding those blood-sucking vampire bats, obviously any animal who sucks the blood of other animals possesses the potential to pass infectious viruses to their host during the process. In the case of vampire bats, that includes transmitting the rabies virus to cattle, dogs, and humans. The process also has the potential for the bloodsucker to pick up microorganisms that could sicken the bat in the colony. This brings us back to how vampire bats behave when they're sick. In the study, three behavioral ecologists, Simon Ripperger, Sebastian Stockmeyer, and Gerald Carter, studied how the bat's social network changed when some bats in the colony became ill. In addition to developing a method to track these changes in the colony of animals, the study also demonstrated how the sick bat's behavior differed from that of the healthy bats in the control group. The bat's sickness behaviors included lethargy, sleeping more, no desire to socialize with others, and a desire to be left alone. Most of us will recognize the similarity between those behaviors and those we and our dogs and cats also may display when we don't feel well. This approach makes good sense for other reasons in addition to limiting the spread of contagious diseases. It's a more energy-efficient way to deal with disease in general. Withdrawing enables sick animals to devote what energy they do have to healing. Curling up in a ball away from others and sleeping more also results in a low-energy profile that protects sick animals from predators or others who might harass or even harm a more active animal. These behaviors also protect the rest of the group. So self-isolation is a most energy-efficient strategy that evolved over thousands of years. Like most naturally evolved behaviors, though, sickness behaviors associated with contagious diseases come with a built-in quality control system. 
Sick animals and those living in the same environment who survive also must display the beneficial sickness behaviors for the optimum amount of time. If they abort these protective displays prematurely, then they and the group may all succumb to the disease. But if they perpetuate these behaviors too long, other more fit animals may take over their territories or resources. Our companion dogs and cats who don't feel well may face similar challenges. With one addition, human impatience. When we need our animals to be physically and behaviorally healthy for our own physical and mental well-being, then any sign of illness on their parts may distress us. When this is the case, some of us may want to focus on eliminating any signs of our pet sickness behaviors as quickly as possible. If eliminating the problem symptoms also eliminates the problem's underlying cause, then the treatment is a win-win for human and animal alike. But if it doesn't, the animal initially may appear better, but the problem may recur later and be worse than before. On the other hand, if we keep treating our recovered animals as if they're still sick because we're afraid that they may become ill again, that's not good for them either. Continued inactivity may result in reduced physical fitness. Owners who got out of the habit or otherwise engaging in more active interactions with their dogs may find it difficult to get back in the habit again. Naturally, more timid animals may become more timid the longer they spend in confinement. Their people may become more timid and fearful too. Ultimately, we come back to the same basic behavioral concepts. Like wild animals, the success of domestic animals, including humans, faced with contagious and potentially deadly diseases, depends on their and our ability to keep our distance. Those who are ill must do it to ensure their own healing and protect the group. Those who are healthy must do it to ensure their own health and that of those around them, including the sick. It isn't rocket science, it's not political, it's not emotional. It's simply a matter of tapping into ancient animal body wisdom that supported individual animal and species survival for thousands of years. You've been listening to a podcast by veterinary ethologist Myrna Milani. For more podcasts, commentaries, and books about animal behavior and the human-animal bond, and links to behavior and bond sites, check out my website at www.mmilani.com. For more specific information, feel free to email me at mm@mmilani.com. 
All rights related to the content of these podcasts are retained by Myrna Milani. The background music, Molly on the Shore by Percy Granger, is used with permission from Katova Arts, www.katova.com.